Welcome to Amplify. I'm Jonathan Grimes, and you're listening to Am Koppenplatz by Gareth Schaldus, performed by this week's guest, Michael McHale. From Northern Ireland, Michael is now based in London, and I spoke to him from his home there by a remote online link last month. We spoke about his work with Irish composers over the years, his approach to collaboration, and, as a pianist who performs a lot of classical repertoire, how he likes to combine new music with well-known classical and romantic pieces in his recitals. Michael is performing as part of Louth Contemporary Music Society's online festival, We Sing for the Future, which takes place from the 14th to the 18th of April. And I began by speaking to him about this concert and his collaborations with Loud Contemporary Music Society over the years. Details of the festival are included in the show notes for the podcast, or you can find out more at loudcms.org. This is a great online festival initiative by the Louth Contemporary Music Society. There's all kinds of different concerts over the several days of the festival, but the concert that I'll be performing in features the music of Lawrence Crane and Cornelius Cardew. I'm doing two solo piano pieces by Cornelius Cardew. One of them is very short. It's based on an Irish ballad, The Croppy Boy. The other one we sing for the future is on a much bigger scale where he takes a hopeful worker's song and kind of extrapolates it almost in the way of a set of variations almost. And then the the pieces by Lawrence Crane. There are some performances of his music by Apartment House and also this piece, uh, Glee Annie Prague, which means the progressive years. That is with the Irish flautist Fiona Kelly. I had never actually performed Lawrence's music before, so it was a real thrill to have him there at the sessions. And we also did a Zoom call in advance to prepare and to discuss his music. His style is really interesting in that he takes these often quite simple little musical devices, like a fragment of a scale or an arpeggio, And then he kind of randomizes it and then adds in these humorous effects as well. So it was really fascinating to get inside his mind a little bit. And hopefully we did it justice. 
Do you enjoy that sort of interaction with composers around the performance of their work where you're having to, you know, well, in, in this case, have Zoom conversations and sort of find out where the composer is coming from and, and likewise where you're coming from? Absolutely, yeah, because, I mean, a, a lot of the time I'm playing music from the classical romantic uh, early 20th century era where it's impossible to ask the composers what they really meant by this marking or that marking. The interesting interaction, I guess, between a composer and a performer is that one of them is a piece of paper and one of them is vibrations in the air. There's a kind of life in between as it transitions from one to the other that the composer can never be fully in control of or the performer. So it's always that combination. The performer will always, by definition, add something to it, but the composer if they're able to talk to the performer even the way they talk about it even if they're not changing something on the page but the way they describe their inspiration for it that can have a huge effect on how the performer then interprets the notated score so that's always a fascinating process for me and every time I've had the opportunity to work and discuss with the composer it always ends up very differently to how I would have just interpreted it on my own and I love that in terms of this particular concert in this particular festival, you mentioned that as a consequence of the pandemic, it's an online festival. So that supposes that you're actually pre-recording these concerts. How do you find that experience? I mean, does the whole process of recording the concert, does it feel more like a recording or a performance that just doesn't have an audience or an imaginary audience? I'd say it's somewhere in the middle, but definitely closer to a recording, because the thing that really, for me, makes a live concert different from a recording is that actual interaction with a room full of people. You can feel reaction in real time as you play. Sometimes it's a good reaction. You almost feel a kind of electric silence. You can kind of almost feel concentration. Or, you know, sometimes you can hear people shuffling papers and coughing and snoring and <laughs> whatever else. And, you know, you could potentially take those as more negative reactions, but you always feel something which you just can't in the same way in an empty room. I know this is now a bit of a cliched question to ask a performer. How much do you miss the live experience of performing to full halls right now? I do miss it hugely. It is that little adrenaline rush that you get in the wings before you go on stage. Even feeling the acoustic change from the rehearsal to the concert, as there are hopefully lots of people filling up seats and changing the sound in the room. There are all kinds of little things that have become habitual in a way for anyone that performs regularly. For that to just be taken away is always going to have a huge effect. So I really hope that we are all able to start performing again hopefully later this year or next year or whenever it, whenever it might be. <laughs> and hopefully the audiences feel the same way and that they miss that buzz of anticipation of booking their tickets and then on the day of the concert, traveling to the venue, maybe grabbing a cup of coffee or a bit of lunch or whatever. And again, there's a ritual to that that is habitual for music lovers and that's been taken away from them just as much as it has been from us. You've been involved with a number of other Loud Contemporary Music Society collaborations and recordings in the past. How important have these been in your own new music journey, as it were? I think they've been hugely important. 
just in general, the work that Eamon Quinn and his whole team at Louth Contemporary Music Society, what they've achieved and, and done in a relatively short space of time is fantastic. What I find most interesting working with Eamon on these projects is how he comes at everything completely from the perspective of a music lover. He only programs music that he enjoys and loves listening to personally. And you really feel that enthusiasm throughout the promotion of it, throughout the organization of it. It's really a labor of love. And I think that's what makes it so special and personal. first one that I worked on was when Arvo Part came over to Ireland and we did a couple of concerts in Drogheda and Dundalk and Eamon had commissioned a choral piece which received his world premiere and Joanna Petku and I performed some of his violin and piano pieces and I played a couple of solo piano pieces too and the audiences were just unbelievable that there wasn't an empty seat for him to create this massive audience for contemporary music in an area where it was niche at best before that is a huge achievement i think it's always a pleasure anytime that i've worked on these projects because i always know that it will be thought through to the nth degree There's something about coming at music from a different angle that can change the public's perception of it. If people feel that contemporary music is forbidding and elitist or they're going to hate it or they're going to find it frightening, then you're never going to be able to attract a different audience. Whereas I guess Eamon's attitude was to say that this is great and you're going to love I love it. So there's no reason why you won't love it too. And here it is. There's no excuses being made. It's like, this is really great. Some of it's completely out there, cutting edge, but give it a go and you won't regret it. You've collaborated with many Irish composers over the years, performing many of their works and premiering a, a lot of new works that were specially written for you as well. And some recent collaborations include a new work by young composer Anya Mallon and also a new work from Linda Buckley. Tell me about these works and how you ended up working with these two composers. I don't just play contemporary music and I don't just play the kind of canon of classics. I love to introduce both into the same program. Several projects I've done with Ergados. I did a Schubert Impromptu album with them. 
where between this set of Opus 90 impromptus, Garrett Shaw, Dice Benedict, Schlepper Connolly, and Simon O'Connor wrote an interlude. It went from being 30 minute set of four impromptus to a 60 minute set of four impromptus plus the three interludes. And so this is something that inspired these two new pieces where I've recorded two Beethoven sonatas, the Appassionata and the Moonlight. Anya Malin wrote a prelude for the Appassionata and Linda Buckley wrote a prelude for the Moonlight Sonata. That will be released as an album later this year. piece was commissioned by Moving On Music with support from the Arts Council of Northern Ireland and that was due to be premiered in Northern Ireland in September last year but of course that was cancelled and hopefully will be eventually happening in February 2022. (laughs) It keeps being moved back and similarly Linda's piece was due to be premiered in Triscoll Art Centre in Cork last June and again couldn't happen and (laughs) I'll have to eventually find a date to do that in front of an audience for the first time. This is the first time that I've given a world premiere online so moving on music in Northern Ireland they released an online video concert of Anya's piece and the Beethoven Appassionata Sonata, which went out in February this year. So those pieces were written from the point of view of how they might sit alongside those two Beethoven sonatas that you were performing with them. Exactly. My plan for the future for these pieces would be that any time I was programming one or both of those sonatas, that then I would play the prelude alongside it. So it very much becomes a pair in terms of my own kind of recital programming. And I really like being able to do that. If a concert promoter said, oh, um, could you include the Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata? Then I can say, well, sure. And also, how about this? This this is going to fit really well. And your audiences are going to love this new piece that they might not have heard before. So from my point of view, it's a great way for me to explore all the different aspects of music that I like to play, you know, to promote Irish composers and also to play classics like Beethoven and Schubert in the same concert. I think that approach works, works very well in terms of exposing audiences who may be slightly less aware of new music and living composers. And the thing that I like about doing that is if I'm playing a recital somewhere where, you know, it's quite a conservative audience, traditionally where they would never do a a new music concert. The number of times where I've played a 21st century piece by an Irish composer in my program, and and as I say, I usually try and find a, a way for it to fit well in the program. But the number of times where I've programmed some new music amidst more traditional repertoire, and that the audience's favorite piece of the night has been one of these new pieces by a composer that they previously didn't know. I find that very heartening and also interesting. Whereas if they had seen an advertised concert of all of these composers, they may not have gone to it. So it helps the reception or their reception of new things. Exactly, yeah. 
What is it that you look for in a new work? I mean, do certain things resonate with you or maybe are there other factors, for example, the nature of your collaboration with the composer or or what? I think it's almost like we were talking about earlier with Lawrence Crane, whose music I didn't know. When you see a, a composer or hear a composer's work for the first time and then when you go to perform it or to prepare to perform it, every single composer you're almost learning a new language if i work with a composer whose music you know it does something i react well to it there's something in it that i kind of understand or that makes sense to me i always feel that i want to explore further the equivalent would be like doing a kind of opening course in learning a language and then changing language every month I kind of feel that, well, once I've done that first month, I want to do the second and third month and explore further and get deeper into the language. And then you start to see connections like you do with, you know, classical composers that it's more normal in a way, or people are from a young age, they expect to learn more than one piece by each composer. You start to feel that you are deepening your understanding of their language, of how they write and how they express what they're feeling through their music. And that applies not just to learning further pieces, but by playing the same piece over and over. Because again, this is something that sometimes new music can suffer from, that there's a world premiere, then it's like, where's the next world premiere? And it's like, But what about that piece? (laughs) If you perform it a few more times, you might see more things in it. You'll never feel the same way about it after 20 performances that you did after the first. So anytime I work with a composer and learn a new work, I like to perform it a lot more than once, hopefully, because then you start to really feel that you can do a better job of communicating it to an audience the deeper your understanding of it goes. Are there particular composers that you find yourself coming back to or maybe wanting to come back to work again with? There's several composers I've worked with a lot at various different times over my lifetime. There's almost a comfort in returning to the language of a composer that you've explored already. And and one of the composers I've worked most with is the Belfast composer Philip Hammond. Right back to when I was about 15 or 16 doing the BBC Young Musician of the Year competition. My piano teacher at the time, John O'Connor, suggested that I play French Blue by Philip Hammond as it had actually been one of the test pieces for the Dublin Piano Competition. And I just loved it. So I've worked at various times over the years with Philip. Um, He wrote me a new piece called Midnight Shadows. collaborated on an album called Miniatures and Modulations, where Philip wrote a series of about 20 short pieces paired with the Edward Bunting Irish arrangements. That's been a really great collaboration. And in a way that culminated, if you like, in a piano concerto commission for BBC Radio 3 a few years ago, which I also recorded for RT Lyric FM. Thank you. 
there's a kind of inherent logic to all of the structures uh, of his pieces, whether they're short or long, that really appeals to me. It always, for me, feels that it's just the right amount of time that he over or the span over which he, he develops an idea. And I think that is one of the most challenging things for any composer. How do you pace? How do you get the span from start to finish? And I always feel there's a kind of really inherent, logical, almost satisfying shape to every piece that he's written that I've performed. And that's something that I find really, really appealing. Talking about piano concerto, which which Philip wrote for you, the other composer who who has written a piano concerto that you did uh, some some years back is Gareth Shaldus. Yes, I've worked a lot with Gareth and Benedict Slepper Connolly of of Regardos, and I, I really really love their music. In a way, they tick a lot of the boxes of the things we've already talked about, both that interaction of how a piece sits in a program, they think so deeply about that, and also what we were talking about, Eamon Quinn, earlier with the, the Louth Contemporary Music Society, how each concert and each project is very personalised. Garrett actually wrote a piece for me for my first solo album. Ever since then, I've performed a lot of his music through the Ergodos, both solo piano and also ensemble pieces. Uh, so we discussed for a while about working on a concerto together. And Jerry Keenan at the Irish Chamber Orchestra was very supportive of the idea. The Arts Council of Ireland supported the commission with, with the grant, and we were able to perform it again more than once in in Limerick and in Dublin with the, with the Irish Chamber Orchestra with uh, Gabor Takash conducting. two movement work and the second movement actually works independently as a prelude for the Mozart A major concerto K488 and that's something that we're hoping to reprogram in the future. Bringing you back to the, um, and I'm sorry to do this, bringing back to the experience of the last year and the pandemic, I was just curious to ask in terms of, you know, your own experience over the past year, which we've spoken about and reflecting on that, has it caused you or made you think or maybe go or consider going in different directions musically or cause you to reflect more on your future work? I guess it's, it would have been possible for that not to happen just because of all this sudden extra time. <laughs> I'm desperately hoping that I'll be able to return to giving concerts in the way that I was before because it's such a passion of mine and I love it so much. Yeah, it has been a good opportunity to think about different directions as well and I've been very grateful to have um, a part-time teaching position at the Cork School of Music which I've been able to continue throughout so that's been a real help to give my week some structure 
And also the Dublin Closer Andrew Senate during the first lockdown wrote a new piece for me, which will be performed hopefully later this year with the RTE Concert Orchestra. So I've been really enjoying getting to work on that with more time than I normally would. If you like, something I've always loved doing over the years is writing my own arrangements. So I've been able to do a little bit more of that. And I even ended up getting a composing commission myself last month, which I wasn't expecting to write an organ chorale prelude by the Portico Centre up in Northern Ireland for their wonderful organ there. So I wrote a little organ crowd prelude on the Wexford Carol. This is potentially something that we might see more of from yourself in the future? I'm not sure about that. I do love doing arrangements. In a way, it's more scratching the creative itch whereas you know when you're performing other people's music all your creative energy goes into that interpretation whereas to kind of create something from scratch yourself kind of feels very different and I do enjoy that process and I also think it helps to well firstly admire (laughs) how impressive composers are (laughs) who are you know really doing it properly (laughs) i think all performers should try and compose something so that they can uh, realize how difficult it is and have a little bit more admiration for composers who are able to do it so much better than they can But no, I'm not going to suddenly become a composer. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, stranger things have happened. (laughs) Michael, thank you so much for your time today. It's, uh, It's been wonderful chatting to you. You too. Thanks a million, Jonathan. 